I'm just sick of doing the same shit all the time. Yeah, well, what else are we gonna do? I don't know. There's gotta be something more than driving around Torrance, trying to get drunk, stoned, and laid. Joe, you've been weirding out on me, dude. Not weirding out on you, man. Yeah, you are. It's like ever since that Blue Oyster Cult show, you got hit by that laser, man. You've been acting like a pussy. Why don't you take a little inventory of what we got going for us? Shit, man. It's all dusted. Except for this beef and potato burrito, bud. That's it? <laughs> Always got the crock. <laughs> the Snapster. Shit makes me hork. What about that skankweed your brother sold you? Got about half a joint's worth. But this shit gives me a headache. Schnapster, half a joint of ragweed, that's decent. Now all we gotta do is find us some chicks. Scott, if your life had a face, I would punch it. Yeah. Wait, what? Let me ask you something. Why would you make the point of saying someone's not a genius? You think I'm especially not a genius? Veronica, why are you pulling my dick? Suck my fat one, you cheap dime store hood. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another installment of the greatest moments in the history of forever. I am Zach. I'm Matt. This is episode number 183, The Stoned Age. That's right. We finally got to it. A classic. Yeah. A 90s classic for those of us who were obsessed with watching the USA Network. Yeah. And seeing all the movies they would play during the summer, during Up All Night, all the crap. Yeah, something I, I don't think I ever saw until you introduced me to it. But I I don't know. I always had, like, when you would talk to me about it, it felt like it was striking a chord, like I had a memory of it. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you ever have that happen? Yeah, I think so. This was a special movie for me and some of my friends in high school. There was certainly a little cult fan base around this movie. It felt like one of those special things that like nobody knew about one of those kind of things it's super weird because on the i don't know on the poster or on the dvd or whatever where it says better than days yeah that's confused. its big claim to fame is that <laughs> i don't know if i agree with that but no. i love that they just put that on there it was, well no it's a quote it was a quote from a review oh okay okay gotcha. yeah and yeah. it was from like somebody that wrote for like venice magazine it was I see, like yeah. some defunct magazine ah, that doesn't even yes. exist <laughs> yeah because days and confused came some out the year friends before with the producers in 1993, this movie on the surface could certainly feel like a ripoff of that. Although, when I was researching I where this movie came from, it was based on a short film that the guy made in 1991. So I don't think Dazed and Confused had anything to do with it. It doesn't really remind me of Dazed and Confused, other than it's like in the set. People <laughs> well, Dazed and Confused in the 70s. actually seems like it's set in the 70s, right, yeah. and the Stone Age certainly and, does not. <laughs> and like Dazed and Confused has this like relatable quality. For like anyone just like remembering high school. I don't really feel that way about the experience of these characters. Other than some things like the pursuit of women and how difficult and <laughs> failing yeah. those well, were. Well, the Stone Age, we were talking about it before we started recording anything today. And I was saying that it's one of those weird things because 
The Stone Age is a terrible movie. Yeah. But it's unintentionally funny, and the parts that are supposed to be funny are a lot of times funny. The rare combo. Yeah, you laugh yeah. at it and with it. Wow. <laughs> what I, other movies offer that? Yeah, it's a rare double comedy. <laughs> I, I can't really think <laughs> of another word. Comedy. It's both funny intentionally and unintentionally. There's a lot of things wrong with it. There's continuity problems. Pretty offensive. It's supposed to be set in the late 70s. There's tons of things in it that are not from the 70s that didn't exist yet. And yes, very offensive. I think we'll hold off on the offensive talk until a little bit later because okay. I do want to run through that. We'll get to that. <laughs> Before we jump into the Stone Age, sort of a forgotten 90s stoner classic, let's remind our listeners to follow the show on Twitter, right. at GreatestPod, and... Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts and Podbean. Download the Podbean app if you need to. Just really get the word out there. Yeah. We're more of a DIY grassroots mom That's true. and pop yeah. podcast. So if you want to get behind small business that didn't get that... <laughs> Trump money. Yeah, that's true. We, Look d- no we should have gotten a little bit of that yeah. relief fund <laughs> for this pod. Uh, do you think like the greater listenership gets excited when we start off an episode with this movie's terrible, but... I don't know. I love this movie, though. Yeah, right. I've seen this movie, I'm going to say 20 plus times, which is insane. It's an insane announcement I'm going to make. say I've seen it six times in the past four or five years so <laughs> it's effortlessly good, yeah. rewatchable <laughs> directed by james melconian he only ever directed one other movie it was the jerky boys movie which yeah. was also a bomb and so nobody this, liked this didn't really skyrocket his career no but some of the other people involved with it did go on to big things it was written by melconian and rich wilkes who wrote airheads which is aesthetically very similar yeah, to this absolutely but he also wrote the first Triple X movie starring Vin Diesel and is kind of credited as the creator on like the sequels and stuff. So I'm sure he gets like a piece of the, yeah, the Ice Cube yeah. sequel and then like the comeback, even though I think both the Ice Cube sequel and the Vin Diesel comeback both weren't really successful. Flops. But it's a high profile major sure. studio yeah. thing. Produced by David Heyman and Neil H. Moritz. Usually we don't talk about producers, although I'm pretty sure we talked about Neil H. Moritz for some reason when we talked about I Know What You Did Last Summer. Yeah, and he also did like right. the Fast and Furious franchise and I Am Legend. And David Heyman, the other producer, even bigger, went on to produce all the Harry Potter movies yeah. and was nominated for Best Picture as a producer three times. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, wow. Marriage Story, and Gravity. Huge producers of the Stone Age. Yeah, you almost wonder how How they recovered, how their careers (laughs) recovered, or or why their names are still showing up here, and how they didn't go back and have them scrubbed. Well, maybe that's one of the reasons it hasn't made its way to Blu-ray yet. It's kind of blocking it. I do think it was kind of hard to find for a little bit. The DVD was sort of out of print, although now it seems like you can track the DVD down pretty easily, and it's also now available to stream for free on like voodoo and tubi and a bunch of shit that's where i watched it so check it out if you haven't seen the stone age before i'm sure you'll be offended and horrified (laughs) that we thought this was a good idea to talk about this movie not to be confused with national lampoon's stone age which came out in 2007 and was originally called like homo erectus or something you know that may be what i potentially used to think of when you would bring this movie up not that i had seen it but that seems like Maybe I used to see that DVD sitting out at Walmart. Yeah. 
And they changed the name for the DVD release to Stone Age, yeah. which I think was uncool of them. That is uncool. As I mentioned, the Stone Age not available on Blu-ray, which is kind of surprising. I would have thought that one of these like little boutique Blu-ray distributors yeah. that you know specialize in these kind of movies would have picked this up. But this could be wrong too. But I feel like I remember it streaming on Netflix in the early days of Netflix streaming. It's quite possible. I think that the reason it hasn't transition to blue getting its streaming is rights is like the easiest thing because they're just like yeah have it the soundtrack for this movie despite how like low budget and crap it looks it, it's pretty legit i mean it's oh absolutely it, it maybe isn't as great as the days and confused soundtrack oh, that, from the some year of the before, same but it's songs very similar it has songs by black sabbath fog hat uh, ted slow Nugent, ride is in both deep movies. purple t-rex and when you look at the quality of the movie and like what it looks like, it's shocking that there's real songs like Paranoid is the first song. Right, you hear. yeah, because it like, looks like garbage. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like it was shot on a VHS camcorder. <laughs> yeah, it's weird because I feel like in the beginning with like the whole hitchhiking thing, it kind of looks real to me during that part. And then when we get away from the freeway and towards the neighborhood that you're in for most of the movie, it just I'm feels sure like that was like a real universe. neighborhood though. It's not like we were building a set. No, I know, but it just it feels like an isolated world, you know. Well, yeah, that's the unique thing about this movie is it's supposed to take place sometime in the late 1970s in Torrance, California. But to me, I never really buy that it's the 70s and not just because there's a lot of like inconsistencies and there's things from the 80s and stuff and 90s in it. It's just the way that people are and the look of it. It's it just I don't know. I always feel like it's some sort of amalgam of all kinds of eras and so I feel like it's like an alternate timeline. That's the thing. That's <laughs> their point. It's like this is a timeless issue. <laughs> the pursuit of chicks. Right. <laughs> the story is basically two long-haired stoners named Michael Hubbs and Joe Connolly, and they're one night out cruising L.A.'s suburbs looking for alcohol parties and girls, although it mostly focuses on two specific girls. In 2020, yeah. who is this movie offensive to? Let's start a list. Okay. Well, the first, I would say women. Yeah. Definitely women. Gay people, probably. Yeah, all of the LGBTQ, et cetera, community for sure, but specifically yep. gay people. A lot of s gay slurs. Yes. I'm going to say anyone who appreciates good movies. <laughs> <laughs> and by good, I mean people that take it seriously. Yeah. Like, let's not put things in this movie that w didn't exist yet, like <laughs> songs and different stores and stuff yeah. that, that didn't exist in the 70s. I would say probably people who care about the 70s <laughs> okay and I, I would end with just anyone because yeah. i don't know what joe the long red hair yeah it's just not Although, a great look that is his real hair and right hubs is or yeah hubs is clearly wearing a wig yes and as is tack and some of the other <laughs> right, people yeah. we saw the guy that plays joe i think his name is michael coppola or forgettable we'll say coppola that. he was in Point Break for like two seconds. He's yeah. He's like one of the surfer people on the beach. Wasn't he like smoking weed on the beach or something? It's weird because I just listened to that Point Break episode we did for some reason out of the blue. And did we talk and about we, Yeah, him? we mentioned yeah. him popping up for a second. <laughs> Which I'm sure when we brought that up, people were like, what? Yeah. <laughs> well, now we're doing the Stone Age That's and right. this was his yes. big movie. 
This movie was based off of a short film that Melconian made in 1991 at AFI called Tax Chicks, which would have been a hilarious name for a feature, by the way. (laughs) Originally, the movie was supposed to focus on Led Zeppelin and the songs of Led Zeppelin. Instead, it ends up being Blue Oyster Cult. Yeah. (laughs) Not even a homeless man's Led Zeppelin in terms of popularity and legacy, but after Led Zeppelin, they went through, yes, Jethro Tull, The Who, The Grateful Dead, which I can't really imagine at all, Pink Floyd, and they end up on Blue Oyster Cult. But that, to me, adds to the humor of the movie that like everyone in this movie is obsessed with BOC, and the song yeah. Don't Fear the Reaper comes up constantly. I know. But it makes it unique, and it adds to the charm of the movie. I had heard Don't Fear the Reaper, I think, on the radio probably like – on a classic rock channel, but this movie, seeing it when I was a kid, you know, in like the mid nineties, mid to late nineties, probably I was obsessed with that song. And so by the time they do the cowbell sketch on SNL, like I was already like, I knew a bunch yeah. of BOC songs and so, stuff and I was like loving this song. Yeah. My dad was a blue oyster cult fan. That's awesome. He's basically, you know, like he, he was one of the characters in this movie, you know, he went to, he, I, I think th- everybody's dad probably enjoyed blue oyster yeah, cult. I don't okay. think anybody was an anti BOC. That's true. I, I mean, how could you be burning for you? That's right. But and don't fear the reaper. And I know like Godzilla was like their other song. It is <laughs> like in this movie, what the band is supposed to be is like this, undeniably loved and respected band it seems like yeah instead of a minor blip <laughs> on like the classic yeah. rock like i, I don't know whatever. like what band to, i mean we, it's, you can't really compare it to now because like music just isn't that way maybe in like the 2000s you could c- compare it to somebody who'd be like the band trapped or something <laughs> <laughs> like everyone's just obsessed with trapped. Yeah. <laughs> yeah i don't know i'm sure like when they made this movie which i think they filmed it in 93 you could have probably made like grunge comparisons the big bands are like Nirvana and Pearl Jam, but BOC would be like if you're obsessed with like Sponge or something. Right. Like had like a couple of radio hits. And then like a movie is made where like everyone acts <laughs> like Sponge is like the biggest deal. <laughs> and that movie would be starring me. Yeah. <laughs> it's called Singles. <laughs> yeah. So Blue Oyster called their music and everything is like such a big part of this movie. In addition to that weirdness, though, there's all the continuity problems, which is typical, I think, of a low-budget deal. They don't have time to like make sure that everything matches up to the way it was the first time they shot it. And so like things sometimes look different or change mid-scene oh, yeah. because of the way they are doing it. But that doesn't even jump out as much as just there are cars that you can see in scenes that are clearly from the 80s and 90s. You just know because... Cars look different. The The look of cars changed. Yeah, well, it feels Headlights like... Headlights and stuff, it just changed the shape. It feels like their car that they're riding around and looks like it's from the 70s, but it looks out of place with the other cars, you know? Yeah, and it looks out of place just in the world it's existing right, in. yeah. There's just no attention to detail because, you know, they didn't have the budget to change the way things looked. And so you, it's just like the subtle differences in how neon signs look and stuff you can just kind of tell that it's very modern well modern in 93 not modern now but you know what i mean at one point there's like a giant sign for michael's the craft store and that didn't exist till 1985 (laughs) and the song burning for you by blue oyster cult didn't come out until 81 (laughs) and that's in the movie there's just like lots of stuff like that i just love the boldness too of it adds to the charm these people being like like setting off to and maybe it's just at the script level but it's still even the idea that like 
Led Zeppelin is going to be the band. We're yeah. going to be able to get that <laughs> for this yeah. movie. Well, maybe they didn't know yeah. that at the time Led Zeppelin like didn't license out to anything. Which is weird because when I was like telling my dad about Sharp Objects and how there was like all those Led Zeppelin songs and like how that's like such a plot point, he was like, I didn't think they had their songs in anything. It's like, yeah, well, that changed with Jack Black begging them for School of Rock. That's right. Yeah. And now the floodgates have been opened. <laughs> <laughs> now they love that sweet, sweet HBO. Yeah, cash. no kidding. <laughs> the Stone Age is a movie of recurring jokes and gags. Just. And that's it. Endless. Really. Exclusive to that. They just There's do runners the, the entire time. Yeah. Like everything is just brought up over and over and over again. And it makes it funny in its own way where you're on the surface, if you try to explain these jokes to someone who hasn't seen the movie, I don't know that they would necessarily think this stuff is funny. Yeah, some maybe like the idea is funny. But like <laughs> the idea that someone would think that this was funny is funny. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> and it's a movie that invents and utilizes its own language. There are things said throughout this movie, and not just things that are throughout it, but even just one-liners and stuff, that I've never heard anywhere else. That's true, same. I do have an appreciation for that, though. Words and phrases. Yeah. And slang. The whole concept is basically the idea of, like, worming chicks, which amounts, I guess, to, like, stealing women away from someone else. But they're not even, like, girlfriends, just, like, women that someone else is interested in. It's a lead. In. Yeah. yeah, a lead. It is very, like, a stoner Glengarry Glen right. <laughs> Like I got to get those good leads. <laughs> I got some leads on some hot chicks down at the across from the old Frankie Avalon house. That's right. Crump's <laughs> brother is, like, the Alec Baldwin character. Yeah, I think my favorite is the Just Some Dude runner. Yeah, I, sure. I love that, Who too. the fuck is Mondo right. Man? Yeah. Just some dude. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who the fuck is Tack? Just some dude. Yeah. <laughs> and you know what? It's the specific it's tone that they always say it in, though, too. Like, yeah. like no why matter, would I explain this? Yeah, just some dude. No matter, like, what is going on in the conversation at all, it's always just back to, like, just some dude. There is one running joke in this that's actually, like, real fucked up. And whenever I, like, looked into it, I was like, man, I wish I didn't look into this. This is, like, <laughs> fucking dark. Yeah. <laughs> but we'll get there. <laughs> Check it out. Oh! Oh! Yeah, up, just guzzling, man. Just guzzling. How's it hanging, Hubs? Here's beer. <laughs> Jesus Christ, what is this? Horse piss? St. Helens malted ale. Pussy rich boy beer. Stuff makes you want to puke. Hey, did you guys hear about Crump's brother, man? He's got these fine yeah. chicks, man. Oh, man, you're nothing like that. So the movie opens with a James Melconian film on the screen. I love that boldness. Wow, of like, there yeah. will be more of these. <laughs> <laughs> this will be a thing. It's like a Spike Lee joint or right. written and directed by Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> yeah, it is almost like the pretentiousness of referring to it as a film, too. <laughs> Which almost feels like a joke. Yeah, right. Because it's so absurd yeah. that there's no way they could be serious. The opening scroll is almost Star Wars-esque with like these words that scroll up on the screen. It says, Once upon a time in a land called suburbia, there lived a noble breed of men. Men who spent their lives on a never-ending quest for honor, glory, and fine chicks. That's right. Terrible. Not funny. No. <laughs> no, it does a think... huge swing and if you're and a like miss. starting 
here, it's potential you could just shut this off. In other words, if I if you would have come across this movie on your own and I wasn't like vouching for it, oh yeah, you would have just shut it right off. Right, or even if neither one of us knew it at all and you just put it on. <laughs> Like just right now, up. like let's find something to watch, and you just put that. Yeah, on you see, and that like, you think that's the style of, of humor. Yeah, like, right. Oof. The opening part here, I wanted to quote Wikipedia, and this is more just funny that someone put this on Wikipedia. Like the plot synopsis of the Stone Age on Wikipedia is hilarious. <laughs> I don't know who wrote it. Yeah, yeah. There's random it, words right. capitalized. It's almost like someone who never spoke English wrote this. I don't know. I always feel like there's people being kind of meta when they're like doing these. It's possible. Like, I've seen shit have, like, the most eloquent, yeah, dissected plot synopsis elaborated on on Wikipedia. So this sort of sets us up here. It's like our opening two scenes. And this is straight from Wikipedia. It says, quote, a pugilistic ex-convict known as, quote, Crump's brother, yeah. unquote. Which is, is basically like a guy <laughs> that, like, Alyssa Milano's character from Fear would date. Yeah. You know? He's supposed to just be like a felon. Is picked up by a local teen while hitchhiking on the freeway and informs him about two women he intends to party with in Torrance Beach across from the Frankie Avalon house. That's all one sentence. The teen then informs his friends of the situation, but no one wishes to anger Crump's brother by worming his chicks, except for Tack, who doesn't care and goes to find the chicks. So a lot to unpack. This is like the two scenes that set up the situation. Yeah. They're the only two scenes that take place during the daylight. You blink and you miss it and you don't know what the movie's about. <laughs> <laughs> like it matters. Right. <laughs> yeah, I know. I think the first time I watched this movie, I did miss this part. And so a lot of like the references throughout the rest of it didn't make sense to me. But I was at an age where like sure. you didn't really care. You're I'll just, just kind of like, blown yeah. away by stuff that's happening in the movie. <laughs> Yeah, you're like, Crump's brother? Like, what does that even mean? <laughs> then they never refer to that guy by anything else. It's just Crump's brother. You're like, who is Crump? And then if you said that, they would say, just some dude. <laughs> and I love how you meet Crump at one point, but he's only in it for like a second. And yet the other guy is known as Crump's brother. Right, yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, God. A lot to unpack in these opening scenes. We got modern cars passing by when Crump's brother is trying to hitchhike. The concept is these chicks are, quote, from up north, and they're all hot to party. And then the one guy, upon finding out this information, says, it's been a while since I've seen any chicks around here. <laughs> so it's setting up this idea that they are in the suburbs of Los Angeles, and they just don't have any women to try to meet or talk to. Which is, like the feel for the rest of the movie yeah because they treat the two women at the center of this movie like fucking water in the desert right <laughs> from afar and then when you get close it's really only one of them yeah well that's why i mean there's a million things that are offensive to women yeah. in this but they're it actually i'm not offended usually by anything and i was like cringing at parts of this going like oh my god yeah, i know jesus <laughs> they're so mean at one point oh man there is another dude that kind of reminded me of you wearing like a no fat chicks hoodie. Yeah, that's true. Both in his appearance and his attitude. <laughs> that's right, yeah. <laughs> and Tack, the guy who is going to disregard the idea that these chicks that are in town belong to Crump's brother, is Tack. Yeah. And he's played by a guy we know and a guy that would be familiar probably to a lot of our listeners. He's really in like a million things. 
Clifton Collins Jr. I first realized that this dude from Stone Age was in other shit and was making a career with the Rules of Attraction, where he plays yeah. the drug dealer who has the altercation with James Vanderbeek's character. I was like, oh, that's fucking Tack. <laughs> Tack the Cack. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the amount of times that like me and my friends who knew about this movie said, like, Tack the Cack and yeah. stuff. <laughs> God. But I will say, I mean... There is a relatability to is not, there? not the tack character, <laughs> oh. but like having a quote friend like that. Oh yeah, yeah, like yeah. The yeah, one yeah. that's just like kind of annoying, but you do still kind of hang out with him. Right. But he's always doing things to like fuck everything up. Yeah, and just constantly like pissing everybody off. Yeah. I thought you were gonna say a relatability to this idea of two chicks being in town and like it just being like the biggest deal. Well, and that I'm like, too. I don't know. Did this really make any sense? <laughs> like, no. They're acting like they just don't even know any girls at all. Yeah. And one of the shocking things I, that is, is relatable to me. We will find out that all of these people are supposed to be like in high school. Well, except for Crumb's brother, who I think is like out of high school, but. These, and these people, by the way, all look like they're 30 because a lot of them are. basically yeah. are. I mean, they're mid to late 20s up until like probably about 30. All Playing 17-year-olds. Yeah, and that makes it even funnier that they just they don't know anywhere. They live feet from the beach, basically. Oh, and it's like they've never seen women before. It's so <laughs> great. <laughs> it transitions to nighttime. The title comes up on the screen. Paranoid by Black Sabbath is playing. We meet Joe, played by Michael Coppolo, and Hubs, played by Bradford Tatum, who, unlike Coppolo, has like appeared in some stuff. He's wearing like a terrible wig, Hubs. Yeah, he looks awful. He kind of reminds me of like Triple H before he became Triple H, like when he was Hunter Hearst Helmsley. He kind of has like, like a the, Triple H face. Like the leather beret. Like that a little look, bit like wearing that backwards. I don't know. They, this dude, he just kind of looked like Triple H to me. Yeah. Back when I first saw this movie. I mean, maybe not now, but yeah, it's okay. always kind of stuck in that. my head. They're cruising the night in the blue torpedo, which is a 1973 Volkswagen Type 3 squareback. It's painted it's with all kinds of crazy car. designs, including like a giant eyeball, which will be part of the story it, for some it's reason. It's a runner. Has a lot of stickers all over it. And then on the hood of the car is BOC's logo, Blue Oyster Cult. It's like yeah. this weird-looking cross hook thing, which I think is supposed to be some... I don't know what the symbol means. It all sorts matter. of uh, fast food trash in the back seat. Yeah, like... Whose car does that remind you of? <laughs> the interior is crazy, too. It's got, like, yin-yangs and shit hanging from everywhere. And then the back looks like... I'm not really even sure. It's a wild scene. Their quest is to get drunk, stoned, and laid... But the idea here is that Joe, who's like the more contemplative of the two, is starting to be weighed down by the repetitive nature of their lifestyles. <laughs> Very like heavy subject. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hubs Oof, is the one dominant one, home. though, in the friendship. So, I mean, he's controlling what they're doing. Definitely. But Joe is starting to like push back a little bit, have second thoughts yeah. about what they do all the time. And they trace it back to the laser at the blue oyster cult show that landed on Joe during <laughs> don't Fear the reaper. And for some reason this gets brought up constantly and leads to an insane like 2001 yeah. parody, which <laughs> is terrible. Right. I don't know who that was even for. Doesn't feel like it would be for the audience that this movie was directed towards. I know it's such a weird thing. Yeah. They have, in their possession a partial bottle of what they call the schnapster which is like right. some sort of schnapps drink yeah and looks disgusting a quarter oz of skank weed 
Yes. Which there's a lot of discussion about lumbo and skank weed and different types of weed and stuff, which I didn't really know. I mean, I, I can figure it out. We that, can like, assume that skank, skank weed, weed is, is like trash. barely yeah. real, but I don't know. It becomes an issue later, I guess. They have possibly one of the greatest discussions of music in cinema history where they argue That's over right. the merit of Don't Fear the Reaper, yeah. which is by far the most known, most popular, and biggest Blue Oyster called song. Yeah. But Hub's not a fan, thinks it's a pussy song. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Joe, Joe not following the logic. Loving it. Yeah. <laughs> How could it be a pussy song? It's Blue Oyster Cult, everyone's most beloved band. Yeah, and Hub's has a response to this that we can't really repeat. Uh, because it's wildly because of offensive. The, the homophobia going on throughout yeah. this movie. But it is one of the funniest parts. <laughs> the fact that there's multiple discussions in this movie about this song is unbelievable to me, and I love it. And it's only a 90-minute movie. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, it's a lightning quick response, so matter of fact. Yeah, he's thought about this before. Idea, he, well, he's rationalizing yeah. how could this band that they love it, have a pussy song. Right. He figured it out. <laughs> <laughs> What the fuck is that? It's Don't Fear the Reaper, man. Hey, you're not playing that pussy shit in the Blue Torpedo, man. I told you. Blue Oyster Cult. Don't give a fuck if it's Blue Oyster Cult, man. It's a pussy song. If it's BLC, how could it be pussy? Let me tell you something. Every band puts out at least one pussy song so they can find out who the faggots are. Now take it out. Well, fuck you, man. Fuck me? Ow! It's a pussy song. Ow! Say it. Pussy song. Real faggot. I guess I'm not really like ashamed to admit it. I mean, we're doing this on the podcast. I do think that the Stone Age would have been a Friday bonus had we kept yeah. doing that. Which it feels like if, we say about every episode now. Well, two of the yeah. four comeback eps hey, were yeah. going to be... That, uh, see, the ones I thought were important to keep on the schedule <laughs> were right. fucking Saved by the Bell Hawaiian style and the Stone Age. <laughs> yeah. I was like, we got to keep those. Those yeah. are keepers. But they would have been Friday bonuses. The truth is, I mean, I do find this movie funny, even though it is offensive and kind of poorly made and terrible. The script yeah. is funny. There is a feel to this movie that I it kind of puts me in a good mood. I don't know. It just, <laughs> yeah, because it's dumb and you can laugh at it. But I do kind of like the just goofy summer vibe to it, too. Yeah, and it's just, it almost feels like a student project yeah. that is funnier than you would expect or something. R yeah. Because it's so cheap and shitty but it doesn't veer into like the room even though no, the budget no. of the room was so much more than this <laughs> these people knew that some of this shit was funny and they just didn't really have either the means or the talent to shoot it right yeah true. but they just went ahead anyway we're just gonna push forward and the acting isn't great all the time but it's good enough and we're going to meet Lainey here in a little bit. And they found a chick to be like the hottest chick of all time in That's this right. movie. Yeah. It works out and it's just fun to watch. And I don't always love stoner comedies. Yeah. I mean, outside of like this and Jay and Silent Bob some of the time, I'm not like super into like a lot of what they consider traditional stoner uh, stuff. Same. And I would say that the genre was probably overdone during this era. But, like, this barely feels like a stoner movie, even though that's 
often what it's called because they don't even barely smoke weed in it. It's like oh, true, at the yeah. end, barely. It's more just about. It's more like. It's more realistic. On. <laughs> for high school Undying kids. pursuit of girls and what it meant just to have any interest from girls yeah, and in it's high school. Like, once you understand that, like, Hubs is actually sealing the deal with Lanny, which is insane. I know. It's, like, shocking because you're just like, I can't imagine what that would have been like. Yeah. In high school. Well, granted, the chick that plays Lainey is like 29 in this movie. But like, <laughs> so that would have been wild to have sex really? with a, a smoking hot 29-year-old in high school. But you know what I mean? The fact that he actually does close the deal is actually pretty funny and insane. Because, I mean, that would never happen in high school. Like, in a night like this. the Nights like this never paid off that great. <laughs> no. But the whole thing it about them, like... It would mostly work out how it worked out for everyone else. They're just getting, like punched in the face by some dude <laughs> by some ugly yeah, chick's right, dad yeah. <laughs> no it mostly would be like how it plays out for joe yeah. and you would still like get such a buzz from that night because you almost you kind of like met a girl that you dug and like you kind of you're, you're about to like maybe go for it yeah in life and, and that was like good enough yeah the joe story is like much more realistic i was just gonna say like the idea of how much weed they smoke and like how much they drink and stuff is like very realistic to high school they barely have access to this stuff it's more about the quest for it which feels much more relatable yeah than it actually all working out yeah well that's the thing i I, right like it does harken back to a time where it was just like friday nights driving around hoping that like something is gonna come up yeah at least at the end hubs like does appreciate it he's like this was a perfect night man (laughs) yeah (laughs) he's like i got drunk and laid by a rad chick that's like literally <laughs> a line <laughs> check it out man it's tack <laughs> tack meister that fucking pod hang a loogie on it all right <gasps> tack you tack hey man i got some chicks Tack's got some chicks? Man, why'd you guys spit at me? Joe Fag? You spit at my buddy Tack, man. You fucking told me to. Hubs, get me right down to the beach, man. What's going on down at the beach? There's some chicks down there. Yeah? What kind of chicks are we talking? They're from up north. And they said they want a party. No shit, man. Up north? How many chicks? Well, there's like a shitload of them, man. You talk to them? Well, yeah, I talk to them. What kind of chicks are going to talk to Tack, man? <laughs> no, man. They must want it real bad. What? They got like big buffalo butts? Oh, no way. These chicks are fine. Hey, Tack. We'll trade you this half joint of Burl Sense Bud for the chicks. <laughs> fucking skankweed, man. Okay. How about we give you this entire bottle of Schnapster, and you tell us where the chicks are. This shit makes me whore. God, man, this shit'll get six fat chicks all William Holden-style fucked up. Fuck that. Look, I'll tell you where the chicks are, okay? Just give me right down there. Okay, where are they? Well, let me in the car first. What are you trying to worm me out of the deal for? Let him in. Our heroes come across Tack 
trying to hitch a ride. Hubs tells Joe to hang a loogie on him, and so he spits on Tack, but then Tack yells out that he's got some chicks. Oh, yeah. That so they draws their attention. Slam on the brakes. They stop, pick him up. So Tack is telling them that these are his chicks, when in reality we know Crump's brothers had his eye on them. But That's right, yeah. at this point, Joe and Hubs don't know that. So they're thinking, well, we can take advantage of Tack. He's an easy mark. Yeah, you would also think that this is like highly suspicious that tack well joe does think that yeah. because tack starts picking his nose and joe's like come on man what kind of chicks are gonna talk to tack really <laughs> oh god they stop at a gas station and are forcing tack to get them gas and that's where they talk to crump this is crump's one appearance in the movie and crump yes. reveals the truth about the chicks which is that his brother is the one that saw them, and his brother is of the mindset that he is going to be hanging out with these chicks tonight. <laughs> and Crump's brother is like this badass that got out of jail after beating up some Samoan dude, is <laughs> another recurring joke, which is oddly reminiscent of Pulp Fiction yeah. and the Tony Rocky horror being half Samoan, <laughs> just him being referenced we actually do see the Samoan guy at one point. It's like this dude that's like wearing all these casts and shit, <laughs> which is a terrible gag. Hubs sort of just like rolls with the news, though. He doesn't lose his cool, unlike Joe. Hubs, well, Hubs seems like he could hang a little bit more in a fight. Joe seems like he would be pulverized. <laughs> and often is. Yeah. Hubs throws out the distraction for Crump and his brother by saying that this girl that Crump's brother had a thing for, Desiree Gibson... <laughs> <laughs> terrible name is doing amateur night at a strip club down the shore called dirty dugs okay and so it's like hey man your brother should go check this out instead and crump is just like thanks great man my brother loved that chick and hubs is like great and so all this scheming to distract crump's brother gets joe worried and joe is in the middle of this personal crisis as we've referenced you know he's reevaluating what they do in life for, yep. yeah, i mean i don't know why i mean they're supposed to be in high school i don't know if he needs to be having like an existential crisis about all this stuff but they ditch tack at the gas station which again bothers joe because he's like all right well if you're going by the idea that like in our minds these are tax chicks that we're worming we're still worming them from tack and he's like who fucking cares i can kick tack's ass <laughs> yeah hubs with the announcement of all time we're gonna fuck them doggy style and shit on their parents bed yeah really just um, yells that out <laughs> sounds like a romantic night <laughs> yeah i don't really know what a first time viewer is supposed to make of any of this it's so insane <laughs> yeah you're like what are they talking about like you can't even figure out what they mean most of the time because the concept is sometimes so they're saying words it's just like it, it doesn't even is that a sentence yeah, I mean, I've seen it so many times that like I get mostly what they're saying and trying to convey and stuff. But the first time you see this, it's like, what are they talking about? Worming chicks? Like, they don't explain that, really. So you kind of have to figure out over time, like the context clues of moving in on some girl that another guy claimed because he saw her, <laughs> which we'll find out later. It's like it's not even like Crump's brother even knows these two chicks at all or talk to them. It's just like. He saw them and found out that they're in town, so they're his now. How did he figure out where they were? I feel like Lainey must have talked to Crump's brother. That's the yeah. It has to be because Jill certainly doesn't know who he is when he shows up. But anyway, they get down there to the beach pretty quick, and they figure it out because they find the Frankie Avalon place, and then they see a silhouette 
in the window <laughs> across right. the street. Yes. And they knock on the door of this house, and Lainey answers the door. Just stunning. And yeah, when I first saw this movie, I was like, I any blonde woman in a movie or on WWF <laughs> was instantly like <laughs> the hottest woman I had ever seen in my life. Yeah, right. And I just like couldn't believe it. And I was like, who the fuck is this? I thought, holy shit. I mean, this is like the hottest person I've ever seen. And she gets like the whole like slow, yeah, creepy camera thing of just like starting at her like boots and then working away at the body during like the down, 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 Yeah, I mean, I, I would say if the Blurred Line videos came out around this time. <laughs> she was the Emily Ratajkowski yep. of her time. <laughs> yeah. Renee Allman, and she is married to... Twin Peaks' own James Marshall. Yeah, shocking, because, boy, is he hard guy to look at. I don't know about that. He's got, like, a charm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, when, plus he was always cool. Yeah, although I don't, know if, know. I don't know if I agree that he was always cool. You know, I've well, rewatched that series. Well, that's true. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> I think chicks think he's cool. All right. It's the he leather jacket. whole, like, James Dean thing going. That's true, yeah. <laughs> Lainey, not impressed with the schnapster, which is what hubs is brought as like an offering to party with well what kind of party is this gonna be we got alcohol man what like some annie green springs yeah we got the schnapster check it out <sighs> bitchin you don't take schnapsteria yeah like when i was in seventh grade she's like asking for like all sorts of high level drugs like crank <laughs> like, well, well first they're like well how do you who are you how do you, and they're like well we found out about you from tack and she's like who the fuck is tack just some dude <laughs> she's like all right well you guys want to party you got any blow no you got any crank i was like crank i mean like <laughs> what, supposed to be high yeah like are her teeth falling out what about lewds <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's like wolf of wall street they're like, no, babe, we got the alcohol. And she's like, what, fucking Annie Greensprings? They're like, no, the schnapster. And she's like, bitchin'. I, I should just do the rest of the movie. Yeah. I know, like, every line. Really? <laughs> They're like, well, what do you drink, honey? And she's like, can you guys score some 151? They're yeah. like, sure, babe. 151, 70% alcohol by volume, which is, like, a huge increase over, like, regular rum. I would it's say, Discontinued like, in 2016. Ridiculous that a high schooler would be pursuing this but in hindsight the only time i ever had 151 was closer yeah. to high school it is that's that's probably why they discontinued it. i mean who else would drink it really <laughs> it's only to get as drunk as you can as fast as yeah possible. right <laughs> it's like high school kids and hobos are drinking 151 <laughs> yeah. i mean it's like one step below rubbing alcohol <laughs> i would say that it's insane that some chick in high school would be specifically asking for it and then you t look at laney and be like well there were no girls that looked like laney in my high school yeah really <laughs> and part of the most of the girls in your high school weren't 29 <laughs> most of them yeah most <laughs> she's super hot and i don't want to like be offensive here but she doesn't look like she's super hot yep. there's no question but she's sure. not undeniable she's not exactly like what i would describe as like playboy hot Okay. It's more like she walked off the pages of Hustler, and she's just, like, <laughs> in your high school class. Yeah. And you're like, Jesus Christ. And, I mean, she's dressed insane. I should say that, like, the way that everybody's dressed in this is crazy. Joe and Hubs do not look like they're dressed like people from the 70s. Nobody in this is wearing bell bottoms. Joe and Hubs are, look like they walked off the set of a Soul Asylum music video or something. Ripped jeans and flannel and shit. Oh, yeah. Nobody looks like they're from the 70s. 
again, it's it's a mix. I mean, this takes place in a timeless reality, you know? A fun amalgam of the 70s and the 90s. Yeah, I would say. While Hubs and Joe try to go score the 151, Tack's backup plan is to call this dude named Hanky, who he calls Snot Rag. Good, this good also group of felt guys. very real, like yeah. this dude. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? The guy who's like dragged into this shit and just like doesn't want to be a part of it. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I feel like I, I've been both Tack and Hanky. I in think this I've scenario. been all the characters, except for <laughs> Hubs. <laughs> yeah. and, but including Crump's brother. <laughs> You have been Jill. That's right. Yeah, definitely Jill. <laughs> and Jill's dad. <laughs> At the liquor store called Liquor World, we see the guy, the disco clerk, yeah. played by Taylor Negron. I've also been this guy. Was the pizza guy in Fast Times. Yeah, absolutely. Passed away a few years ago. He was a character actor. He was in like a million things. I love that he just pops up as like one of the only people selling this movie as being in the 70s That's by th- pretending to be a disco guy. Yeah. And he's one of the most recognizable people in the movie. Yeah. Officer Dean shows up, though, before the the guy's going to sell the underage dudes this liquor. One of my least favorite runners of the movie is the Officer Dean. Yeah, it stinks. Yeah, where he's like gets all nostalgic and he's like, they used to call me Dixie Cup. That's right. It's a swing and a miss for me. Out of nowhere, I don't know how this happens, because I've watched the scene to see if there's any indication. Hubs somehow Steals swipes it. the bottle yeah. of 151. I'm like, when does that happen? It I know. definitely doesn't. So he tells Joe when they're driving back, like, you can go home and spank the monkey with your greasy grandpappy, but I'm getting laid, dude. <laughs> Just a lot of great lines really? like that. I sent you a screenshot of that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> a lot of home runs. <laughs> Yeah, swing and a miss with Officer Dean, but then they re- they definitely bring it back. Out of the park. <laughs> Greasy grandpappy. <laughs> Tack goes and picks up Hanky at his house. Hanky's mom, pretty hilarious. I think that woman also is kind of like a Taylor Negron-esque actress. She's been in tons of shit. Yeah. Just the swing and a miss on, on the innocence of what she thinks they're going out to do. And she's like, don't eat too many hot dogs. <laughs> oh, boy, yeah. <laughs> Tech, what are you doing here, man? Oh, fuck you, Snarrag. Let's book. Don't call me that, all right? My last name's Hanky. All right, Hanky. Don't have a spaz. Come on, bro. Let's get us some booty. Look, I already told you. I don't want to go down there. And besides, my mom wouldn't even let me. What the hell's your mom going to do? Oh, hello, Mrs. Snot. Mrs. Hanky. I was just wondering if Norman here might want to go out and meet with some friends. Oh, that sounds like fun. Um, I was watching TV. You really should get out more, Norm. Oh, don't be such a poopy doodle. Have fun, boys. And don't eat too many hot dogs. So Tack now has alternative transportation to get down there to where the girls are. Hubs and Joe return to the house, and instead of Lainey answering the door, we meet Jill for the first time, played by a young lady named China Kantner, yeah. who is the daughter of Grace Slick, the lead singer of Jefferson Airplane slash Jefferson that? Starship. Okay. Sort of like 60s rock royalty, certainly drug culture <laughs> connection there for the Stone Age, this I guess. This actress, less royalty. 
Yeah, it didn't really have like a huge career. She played Wilson from Home Improvement's niece in like five episodes of Home Improvement. Okay, that's so a that fun was appearance. Like her yeah, other acting credit. She she hasn't been in anything in a while. Anyway, Jill not as inviting as Lainey, you would say? No, she's kind of got like a more jaded, bitchy personality. Not thrilled that these like stoner dudes are yeah. showing up to party. But Lainey is there and she wants them to come in. So it turns into this four person party. Turns out it's at Jill's dad's house, but the girls are there for a week. They're from up north in San Jose. When they're getting to know each other, like the four of them, both of the dudes are sort of making a play for Lainey. It's pretty clear, though, that Lainey has zero interest in Joe. It's kind of actually I'd say so. embarrassing yeah. at a certain point where really? he's like, oh, God. But, like, no one wants to quote, as they put it, jump on the grenade that is Jill. <laughs> they are so mean to. Yeah, not really. just I these mean, two, like is, everybody. Yes. The movie is terrible to Jill. I should say that China Kantner is cute. She's a good-looking girl. Not that that even matters. Like, even if she wasn't, it's yeah, still like the, fucked up. Uh, behavior is unacceptable. They refer to her as a fat ass plenty of times. She's not fat at all. Really? Again, not that it would matter if she was, but it's just an added thing. Of they cast a pretty cute chick. I mean, she definitely isn't. Laney. Well, I mean, she's not she, Laney. She doesn't I mean, look like she jumped off the pages of Penthouse or something. But at any age during that time, if I, I think like China Katner was like twenty-ish, twenty-two-ish at the time of this. If, if I was twenty-two at the same time, I would, I would have been interested. Yeah. Nothing weird about that at all. But they, at several points, they're like, especially Hubs, who's like a total dick. He's, <laughs> he's like, I won't tell anyone. <laughs> If, like, Joe, like, hooks up with her. Yeah. It's like, minutes ago, they had no one. They had no options, and they basically talk well, about it. Well, that's the thing. No they're options. desperate to get into the situation, and then as soon as they're there, they're just like... It's only well, acceptable to go for chicks that look like Lainey, though. Yeah, right. It's, like, it's yeah. so insane. And I do think that probably a lot of women probably think that that is what men are like, like, shitty dudes and, like, the way they act on, like, Twitter or online and stuff like incels or something i do think that most dudes are not like this and this is just a stupid movie you know yeah. to be funny i don't really know what the purpose is i guess it's supposed to be funny like the shit they say about jill a lot of it right in front of her which is it real comes cringy. off as really harsh and unnecessary i know especially considering how but desperate the, they're all supposed the crazy to be. thing about it though in the movie is jill does not really react like it's harsh she's more reacting like yeah you're right i know yeah it which is nuts it's sad it's i mean this is such a stupid movie and it's like who cares but yeah i mean it is kind of like a bummer it would be better if a lot of that shit was like not in there yeah because it's almost just like what the fuck which i guess is just to say that we've gotten better as a society because it's something i probably wouldn't even have thought of (laughs) in the 90s like watching this just laughing at everything and now i'm just like man that's fucking grim like why are they so mean to her i know it's undeserved number one and number two even if even if she was a total bitch like i mean she comes off as like a little bit abrasive but like nothing nothing to deserve these attacks when she's just like i'm gonna go take a dump out of nowhere well that's supposed to be that's just hilarious (laughs) and at that point joe i think is like kind of into her yeah (laughs) he's like can i watch (laughs) he got more into it after that the most disturbing runner which i referenced earlier is joe is the one who brings it up and he's kind of the one that keeps bringing it up although i think maybe some of the other people say it too and when he tells other people who haven't seen laney yet this information their reaction to this 
yeah. statement is also fucked up when you find out what it means. So he constantly is saying that Laney looks like the chick from the cover of the Virgin Killers album. Yeah. Now, the Virgin Killers album is an album by the band The Scorpions, which came out in the 70s. I didn't really know what that meant. Me I neither. didn't know what the cover of that album was. So I don't I, know the reference. I made the mistake of Googling this. Okay. <laughs> I don't even know how to explain this without it sounding fucked up. The cover of that album, the original cover, which I think was quickly banned, was a naked 14-year-old girl. Oh, my gosh. With a glass... I mean, you you can like she is topless, but you can't really see the bottom half because like of a glass break. It looks like glass is breaking like over that area. Okay. And I'm like, why do they think this is funny? And why would that be good if she looked like? I mean, first of all, she doesn't because she's 29 and an adult. That the reference was just to some like smoking blonde bombshell. I know that's why it's like a leather jacket on like the hood of a car or something. I'm guessing because like obviously when this movie came out, like people weren't as aware of like how fucked up some. Well, they were aware of it, but like I'm not trying to make an excuse, but I think that they thought this was a joke, meaning like. This is a reference. I mean, not that like they actually thought that the characters would be excited about that, but like that pe- a lot of people wouldn't know because like by that point the internet didn't exist. So people that had never seen it before probably weren't going to be able to just find it. Yeah, they weren't going to know, know what it was. So it was like a, a kind of like a goof. I don't know. I mean, maybe I shouldn't even be doing like these fucking mental gymnastics to explain <laughs> yeah, what right. their thinking was because it's so weird. It is bizarre. That's strange. I did not expect you to explain Well, most that. of the shit in this movie is like super it's offensive as we said, but it's like harmless though. It's like yeah. bullshit stuff. It's such a weird running joke. That is weird. And the excitement it makes me look at it in a whole new way. Well, it's weird that Joe makes that connection anyway because like I said, it's not even remotely real. Like it, she doesn't look anything like this person, and it's a fucked up thing to think. But then later on in the movie, like when he's telling that group of dudes outside, like yeah, whatever. I, I think or somebody's saying maybe Tax says it. Somebody's telling that group of dudes outside Muldoon's party, like she looks like the chick from the cover of the Virgin Killers album. They're all like, yeah, <laughs> they're all like excited wow. by that. It's like what? Good lord. Yeah. That's the probably the thing, even probably more than the casual like homophobic slurs that like ages the worst about this movie. And I never even really knew it until recently because I was like, well, what what does this even mean? They keep saying it. And then I was just like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Was not expecting that. Joe talks about the laser hitting him at the Blue Oyster Cult show and about how it was like 2001 and stuff. And. Hubs is like getting him trying to get him to shut up he's like <laughs> yeah. stop talking about you and like the chicks are like kind of like freaked out by him and they say that he's like mondo man which right. i always thought was funny and he's like who's mondo man <laughs> just some, some dude <laughs> anyway laney and jill go to the bathroom to talk about it which i thought this was like really funny to me whenever like laney is like trying to push joe off on the jill and jill's like reaction that was so funny and felt so real to me <laughs> about like i'm sure that happens with chicks all the oh, time sure, like, yeah. where they're trying to like sell the less cool of the dudes to like the other girl it's just yeah, like kind of funny <laughs> yeah right laney he's a total <laughs> whacker <Yeah. laughs> 
And then she's like goofing on them. She's like, they're probably pissing in the ice tray. And Lanny's like, there's no way they would do that. And then it cuts to them pissing in the ice tray, <laughs> laughing so hysterically. <laughs> Tack shows up with Hanky, knocks on the door. Jill lets Tack in for some reason. I guess she's just like, I don't know what the fuck. And then this is when the constant beatdown on Jill begins, where Tack is just like, <laughs> he's like, where are the other girls at? Or are you the only one? Like real depressed. Tack has a run of unbelievable lines in this sequence when he sits in that chair and he's like, bring on the bitches. Oh, I know. This is so horrible. <laughs> he's just like making himself right at home. Like. And then Lanny comes in and he's like, does a spit take and he's like, holy shit, I think I'm going to scorch my shorts. <laughs> and then when like Hubs is like dragging him outside and Jill says something, Tack's like, get naked or shut up. Yeah, wow. <laughs> Tack is just the most abrasive. Just mood killer. I mean, he makes Joe and Hub seem like classy, respectable <laughs> yeah, like dudes. The nicest like the Tack guys in is the world. disgusting. Yeah. Hey, babe, I heard there was a party going on in here. Well, just come right in. Can I get you guys anything? It's cool. Are there any other chicks here, or are you the only one? Mm -hmm. Hey, Tack! Man, this is a closed party, man. Fuck you, worm! So you know these guys? Yeah, sort of. I'll deal with this. Joe, how's it going? You and what army, Connolly? Come on, Tack. Split. Oh. Hey, bring on the bitches! Oh, shit, man. I'm gonna scorch my shorts. Fucking tack, man. Fuck you, worm. Would you ladies excuse me a sec? Come on, tack. Let's go. What the fuck is Snotrag doing here? Hey, man, don't call me that. You need a ride, man. At least he ain't no worm. We've been here a while, pud, and things are going pretty good, if you know what I mean. For us. Man, you and Snotrag are messing up the ratio, man. Oh, it's casual. There's enough to go around. You never fucking listen, tack. <clears throat> What the fuck am I supposed to do with you, man? Yeah, Tack, just be cool. I'm not gonna forget this, Connolly. But Tack mentions a party up in Palos Verdes, which Hubs is like, shut the fuck up, but Lanny hears about it, and so he wants to go, and much to the chagrin of Hubs and Joe, that's where the six of them, including Hanky, now head. Yeah, really. I mean, you do remember that. Nothing worse, like, if, if you were... Yeah, you were... think you've got it to yourself, and you, yeah. you're losing control oh, of the situation. Yeah. I, I know, that was so relatable. Right. <laughs> It's always like this constant battle, and then you feel like because inevitably there's it. gonna be like ten cooler dudes than you at where, wherever you're going. Muldoon, yeah. <laughs> that moment of them driving in Hanky's car, it felt very that '70s show, like the way it was shot. You know, like the opening yeah. credits of that '70s show where That's they're in true. the car and stuff. It looked exactly like that. The chicks are allowed into the party. The dudes are not. Also relatable. Muldoon is the host of the party, played by Jake Busey. Yeah, fun appearance by him. <laughs> yeah. Nothing more uncomfortable than, like, waiting, standing outside of a party that you're not allowed in. <laughs> I know. Wow. I love that, like, Hanky is just dragged into this, and that's, like, his car. I, would, I mean, I know that, like, he's kind of being bullied by Tack, but I would just get those keys and leave. Yeah, I mean, really. Like, what are we doing? Tack's like, we should kick his ass, and Hubs is like, fuck, man, I would if he didn't have such massive upper body strength. <laughs> Pretty great line. Yeah. The 
dudes find the party outside the party though because in the backyard of this house are all of those other stoner dudes the ones that were talking about the chicks in the first place that tack overheard like the asian guy and then the guy with the no fat chicks hoodie and everything and they're just like partying with a keg in the backyard of this party seems insane yeah they're like or they all yell or <laughs> i don't know why i don't know i mean these dudes are just like animals yeah, there's this very beautiful girl that steps outside for, like, a second from the party. Yeah. And they all, like, lose their shit, like, catcalling. <laughs> and like, yeah! <laughs> and I've never seen anyone that looks as pretty as that girl. Yeah. And I'm like, who is that? I wish I would know. But So, like, yeah, I mean, certainly you would never defend or encourage catcalling. But in this instance, maybe it was appropriate. In the 70s, sure. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I just think that whoever that was, I guess she was really just like an extra, because I don't even know if she's credited in the movie, but just very beautiful. Okay, well, hopefully things... Uh, Worked out for her. Yeah. Usually this is the part of the podcast where you tell us all the, like, she actually died, like, <laughs> right after they finished making this. She was murdered. Yeah. They never figured out who did it. They Isn't think that cool? <laughs> Isn't that awesome? <laughs> Joe, like, breaks away from the group, and he's, like, kind of looking inside a side door or yeah. a side window away from people, and, and he sees Lainey inside the party, and she slaps Muldoon because he was, like, I don't know, grabbing her Getting ass or something. Frisky. I don't really know what happens. And then Joe and Lainey just bounce because he's like, hey, I got some lumbo, as he calls it. He's upselling the weed that he has. He's yeah, not yeah, telling her right. it's skankweed. So the cops show up, and they're like, all right, let's get out of here. And then they, like, hitch a ride back to Jill's dad's house, which is a very glossed over part of this where like all of a sudden they hitch a ride but they don't show like any of it except them getting out of the car and like yeah. her yelling at the guy that drove that. them yeah well it makes even less sense in a minute but i'll get there in a second so laney and joe when they get back to jill's dad's house they decide to smoke joe's weed in a neighbor's jacuzzi which While is a back wild at the move. party jill and hubs try to figure out what happened and then they're like well we got to track them down and hubs is like super pissed Oh, yeah. Because he can kind of see that Joe's trying to like make a move in on Lainey. A move is now being made. Joe's like a little bit worried about going in the neighbor's jacuzzi, and Lainey's like, don't you want to see me in my bikini? <laughs> she's like really selling it. Yeah. And then when she like strips down to the bikini, she's like, like Joe's not looking, so she's like, check this out. <laughs> yeah, I thought really. that was like so funny. She does look great in the bikini. They get in. Lainey has another hilarious line where she's like, I love getting stoned and partying all night. <laughs> <laughs> I love when characters yeah, in this, these I, things just make just, announcements like that. I don't know. I think Lainey's dealing with some insecurities or something. It's always the show. From well, her, she's know. definitely got she's got some questionable home life, I'm guessing. Uh, yeah, I think so. Going backstage at BOC shows, I mean, I think there's blowjob implications. I'm sure, yeah. She seems kind of promiscuous. She parties. Jill, her best friend, her dad, Jill's dad has a crush on her which she knows about and talks about and seems like she's Is getting a of. lot of unwanted attention from men which can kind of be a hard thing to deal with <laughs> right as laney is realizing that all joe has is skankweed hubs shows up and breaks up their little party and pulls joe out of the hot tub no idea how hubs found out where they were <laughs> There's no indication that they would be at the na like the neighbor's jacuzzi is like in a fenced in yard. Right. No idea how he found them and no idea how Hubs and Joe got back from the party. Never any explanation as to how that happened. Because Hanky and Tack, who they took Hanky's car to the party, they're not with them. Hanky and Tack are back with the other dudes getting busted by the cops at the house party. That's true. 
no explanation. But Lainey goes for Hubs's more aggressive style. They're like making out in the pool. Yeah. Hubs is like being a dick, like dunking her head in the water. <laughs> She's like loving that kind of shit. <laughs> <laughs> so typical. Joe starts freaking out and trashing everything, which at first Hubs is like, what the fuck? But this then is like Hubs feels like he's being outshone, I guess, or outdone. So Hubs gets out of the pool. They're both like throwing shit into the pool. Yeah, I don't know. This is around the time period of the movie where i start to get uncomfortable i'm like what i do feel like doing? this is reminiscent of how people i hung around with acted in high school though they would just start let's like, just trashing. start doing stupid yeah. shit all the time oh there were so many times where i would have like a stomach ache of yeah. like anxiety cutting back from a I night know. out because i'm like we're gonna get arrested <laughs> i know yeah <laughs> something fucked up is happening there were times where we would get in like car chases I think I told the one story on the Days and Confused oh, yeah. one, but there were like multiple car chases. I know where people were trying to kill us because of some, something one of my friends did. Yeah, well, like even like vandalism off the charts. Yeah. <laughs> being in a neighborhood, like I just remember being with like groups of my friends, and like it is kind of in this movie too. It's just like you're in a neighborhood, it's completely quiet. And yet, you have, like, eight dudes being, like, super loud. Yeah. Being drunk, making a scene. I'm like, guys, I know. shut up. <laughs> I know. Oh, God. Bringing back some <laughs> yeah. tragic memories. Some harsh memories. Maybe that's why I related to this movie so much. Yeah. <laughs> the guy that owns the house, like, eventually comes out and chases them away. And they get back to the house. And Lanny goes upstairs while Hubs is, like, finishing off the uh, 151. So Joe sees, like, an opening. He goes up into the bathroom. Lainey's getting changed out of her bikini, and so he's, like, trying to make a move. And he just can't be Hubs. Like, he can't. The way that, like, Hubs is, like, kind of more aggressive and just kind of goes for it and it has this certain kind of personality. Like Yeah, I get it. When Joe tries to do it, it's just so awkward and terrible. Yeah, I was definitely way more Joe than I was Hubs. And Lainey not going for it, she basically like throws joe to the ground <laughs> yeah this part that, that whole part is like super uncomfortable though him trying to make, make that this move, move. Where, yeah because yeah. she's like can i help you and he's like what's up babe and she's like oh i'm just getting changed he's like that's cool and he's like trying to like touch her and she's like uh get out of here and he's yeah. like whoa what's the problem i thought we had something going Ugh, horrible. it's so weird because she was just making out with hubs i mean i get that they're not like boyfriend and girlfriend but like i can't imagine a night out with like a new chick and then like seeing my friend make out with her and then immediately thinking i'm gonna go for it right in like that window you know what i yeah. mean yeah it is weird i do have memories of things like that happening <laughs> <laughs> and it was always like super weird i feel like you've been involved in some weird shit yeah i have probably <laughs> super weird incestuous stuff because i mean <laughs> we're talking about like your cousin or something oh gosh <laughs> You and one of your friends were fighting over your cousin. <laughs> oh, boy. No, I just mean, I don't know. I think there's a certain point in the night where if any number of things happens, then that's the end of whatever competition yeah, was happening. Right. Like, uh, okay, And I, I feel agree. like her making out with hubs, I would, I would be like, well, okay. Yeah, it's Jill or bust at this point. Well, they act like going for Jill is a you, fate you worse well than death. kill yourself. Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile... Okay, so it doesn't seem like Hubs is a virgin. I mean, he's, he you know he goes for it with Lainey. Eventually, you know they're gonna have sex here in a minute. I feel like if you told me Joe was a virgin before this night, I mean, I could buy that. Who would fuck him? Uh, yeah. So he like, seems lame. so he can't fucking go for Jill, who's 
completely fine look like i don't know no i know it doesn't make sense at all joe should completely go for jill around the time that tack is recruiting all of the other stoner dudes to steal ox for 45s which is the fake beer that they use in this movie because they wanted to use colt 45 and colt 45 was like no <laughs> well we don't want to be associated with this filth well no they don't ever want to be associated with underage drinking which is basically what this is even though all these people are in their 20s (laughs) and 30s the thought process here is that if they steal this ox 45 beer that they can bring it to make a run at laney which i think is so weird because there's like literally 20 of these dudes it's like what do they think's gonna happen at a certain point i mean i know like i was involved in some desperate situations and stuff sure as we all were but I think if I was one of those dudes, I would take a look at the numbers and be like, what are we doing here? I know. How many girls are there at this and house? Every time one, you, two? Every time you would find yourself in one of those situations, I was like, I think we need to, like, leave. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, this is <laughs> Yeah, what do weird. we think is going to happen? That does, not that, obviously, I get into this situation now, but even into my 20s, I can remember, like, when I would be in a situation where there was, like, a bunch of dudes and a couple girls, I would be like, this is fucking a weird. fake party. Yeah, a fake party. <laughs> <laughs> like somebody's running an angle and you're basically like a prop right. for their angle. <laughs> At the same time, Crump's brother, who I'm sure most of our listeners have forgotten about by this point, is finding out that this story of Desiree Gibson stripping at Dirty Dugs is bullshit. So I think we're on a collision course here. Uh oh. Hubs and Laney fuck, which is pretty wild. And it's pretty funny whenever Joe goes up there and he's like trying to get Hubs' attention and Hubs looks up and at first Hubs just gives him that thumbs up. <laughs> <laughs> this is the thing that never actually would happen Hubs is in a lot of like, these nights. Well, that's the thing. I mean, Hubs is definitely pretty confident, pretty smooth for a high school dude. I guess. I don't know about smooth. I mean, well, he's definitely confident. Okay. His move was dunking her head in a hot tub. <laughs> I guess I just mean there's not a lot of clumsiness to his sure, yeah. sexual conquest that he's on. Yeah, I mean, he came through with the 151. They successfully navigated the party without her getting scooped up by like Muldoon or That's anybody true, else. Yeah. And she's down to party, which is pretty cool. But it just in real life, I feel like nobody ever ends up fucking a chick that looks like Lainey on a night like this. I agree. <laughs> It does feel unlikely. Joe's consolation is having to deal with Jill. As I said, they refer to it as jumping on the grenade. And Hubs is like, I won't say nothing. As if, like I said, I mean. By the way, Lainey, like, completely not caring about Joe being in the room while she's making love. Well, no, she does stop. And then that's when she's like, she does, like, she is topless. And Joe's, like, looking at her. And Lainey's like, oh, he's such a perv or whatever. And I was like. I mean, could you blame him for, like, taking a look? I mean, if you just... Although, it is weird that he just comes in the room and he's like, Hubs, I think we should leave. I know. <laughs> like, he's really going to extract <laughs> Hubs from this situation. Like, yeah. yeah, I think I'll stop having sex with this girl because you're having problems. It's like, go ahead, Jill. Go wherever you want. Jill leaves the house, and so Joe follows her out onto the beach. She kicks him in the nuts at one point, which is kind of funny. Yeah. And then they have, this like... Is more reminiscent of, like, my... <laughs> you know female encounters during this time but he doesn't give up i mean he still like hangs with her he's like drinking the schnapps there they have like kind of an okay interaction on the beach the moon turns into that eyeball that he was talking about here we go i can't believe that this stuff even shows up in this movie it's it is like so stupid (laughs) tack and the crew arrive just as like jill and joe are getting back to the house and so there's going to be this inevitable confrontation 
Tack is being such an asshole, so brutal. Because like a lot of the other dudes are disappointed in Jill's looks, and they're like, "You guys were selling her as like the hottest chick ever. Like, who is this?" One guy who you can't imagine has ever been with a woman before refers to her as Hoagly. That's right. And These then, guys basically start rioting. Yeah, and Jill's like, "Well, what the fuck do you think?" She's like, "She makes the joke of like want to take a number for Laney," and they're like, "Yeah, can we do that?" Like, yeah, they're like fucking loving it. They're so disgusting. Joe tries to stick up for Jill, and it sort of like backfires. Where I mean, even his like defense of her ends up being kind of pathetic, and he like oh, yeah. backs down immediately. And then Tack and Joe fight. Jill runs inside. Those guys. Some dudes. Hey, chicks, let us in. Split soon. <sighs> yeah, right. Want. Hey, babe, we came back to party. Yeah. Here are my buds, Mike Dick and Mike New York. You from New York? No. <laughs> so, what is this? A meeting of the mentally gifted minors? Huh? What? We got alcohol, man. Yeah. yeah. Must be my birthday. Hey, man, she doesn't look like that chick on the Virgin Killers album. Yeah, attack. Yeah, this one's Hoagly. Yeah. 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 Hey, man, the other one's the foxy one. Huh? Hey, so where's your friend? What? You guys want to take a number? Yeah. Yeah! yeah. 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 Man, shut up, dude. Hey, Worm, I was hoping I'd run into you. Why do you gotta be such a dick, man? Hey, man, you can have the oinker. Where's the other one? Come on, man. Don't say that. I mean, she's pretty fine. Oh, not even, man. She's a fucking badass. Come on, man. I mean, wouldn't kick her out of bed. I don't know. Fucking Joe, man. You wore me out of my chicks. Yeah, man. I, I know, man. I'm sorry about that, dude. But, I mean, you guys are fucking dicks. You come here, you think the chick's gonna go for it because you got some Ox 45? Hey, these are talls, man. Yeah. 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 Big shit. Why don't you asslabs go back to fucking Orange County, man? Hey, hey, fuck, fuck you, man. Come all the way over here. Looks man. like Connolly doesn't have his butt buddy hubs ran anymore to save his ass. Yeah. Attack me. Don't fuck around, all right? I hate worms. Worm! 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 Shit! Worm! Worm! I hate worms. No shit, man! Kick his ass, Tack! Let's see who's talking now, Connor. <laughs> fuck you, man! What's your problem, man? Like you're the one to talk, Joe. You're the worm. Man, they ain't your chicks anyway, man, and you don't have to talk shit to them. Fuck you, man. I gotta get laid like any other dude. 
Yeah, but you don't have to be such a dick, man. I mean, what happened to you, Tack? I mean, you used to be an all right dude. Fine chicks don't even talk to me. They all think I'm gross. You think any fine chicks are gonna wanna talk to a crater face? Hey, man, your face will clear up after a while. What am I supposed to do? Wait till I'm 30 to get laid? Well, well, maybe you can meet a chick, you know, with an acne problem, too. And you guys will have something in common. Fuck you, man. I don't want no chick with zits. I want fine chicks. Shit. Oh. Joe like stands Fires up for a himself. Can of beer at him. Well, no. Before that, Joe like stands up for himself and he fights off like three dudes at one point. And then he like has Tack on the ground and Tack has like that moment of realness where he's like, "Well, what chick is gonna want to talk to me, a crater face?" Because they have Clifton Collins oh, yeah. Jr. wearing these like terrible fake zits and stuff. And Joe's just like, I don't know, man. Maybe you'll meet a girl with like an acne problem. He's like, I don't want a girl with zits. I want fine chicks. <laughs> Oh. Tack was like the original incel. That's I true. I love yeah. it. <laughs> Tack, you fucking cack. Jill lets Joe in as they throw a can of beer at him and hits him in the head. Hubs Rough. and Laney still going at it upstairs. Just like porn noises coming down. <laughs> That's what I mean. Like, Hubs is putting on a performance that. Yeah, most high school dudes are not. <laughs> really? This would have been over. I mean, especially with somebody that looked like Laney. Good lord. <laughs> I would have been like Jason Biggs in America by for sure. Or like DiCaprio and Wolf of Wall Street, like the first round with. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been like my best. Yeah. <laughs> that, would have, that would have been like the third round. <laughs> it's just Hubs is like outside ready to go like so quick. He's like, okay, Joe, I'm ready. <laughs> Joe and Jill take the opportunity to connect even further. They end up smoking the skank weed. They seem like they're really hitting it off now all of a sudden. Like Jill's kind of abrasive demeanor is sort of calmed and. She's being like more receptive to Joe. And then Jill just announces, I got to take a dump. <laughs> it's so abrupt. Dude. Yeah, like, it's, I so, don't know it's so funny. It sounds like something that would not be funny. You're like, oh, my God, that's so crass and lame. It's just like, so unexpected. Yeah, it's so out of nowhere. and so abrupt. It's so good. And the way that Joe no sells it also makes it funny. Right. Just like, you know, nothing like she didn't say anything. <laughs> He, like, passes out for a minute, and then he wakes up, and they're, like, kind of laying next to each other on the couch, kind of. I don't really know how to explain that. Like, laying back, like, as if the back of the couch can recline or something. Okay, yeah. I don't know. And they're talking about Don't Fear the Reaper, and it turns out that they both dig the song, unlike Hubs, who, who didn't like the song. And Joe tells Jill that Hubs thinks it's a pussy song, and she's like, well, it kind of is. I mean, it's a love song, and it doesn't even have the word poontang in it. Yeah. <laughs> Just Which a, is a good point. Great lines yeah. in this movie. It's like, what songs in the 70s on the radio did have the word poontang? Or really, ever. <laughs> Anytime ever has the word poontang been used in any song. I'm sure there's some Ted Nugent sure. songs. okay. <laughs> I like that part, though, when Hubs calls for Joe like to come upstairs, and then like Hubs looks downstairs and here's Don't Fear the Reaper, and he sees, he's like, you don't even have her shirt off yet, and then he notices Don't Fear the Reaper's on, he's like, what the fuck is going on down here? <laughs> like, legitimately upset yeah. that they're playing this song. <laughs> so Hubs arranges for Joe to get a blowjob from Laney, and this was, like, pretty funny, Wild. Too, because he's like, I told her it was your birthday, and Joe's like, she went for that? 
And he's like, well, no. But then I said, you're all fucked up because your dad used to kick your ass all the time. (laughs) And she went for it. And he's like, oh, fuck. Wow. Yeah, just a wild scene going on here. So it's not just Hubs hooking up with this smoking hot chick. Now there's potentially going to be like a swap or like multiple dudes in one night for Lainey. Yeah, it's really fucking dark. You would hear shit like this, I guess, in high school. I mean, not really, but maybe Rick the Darris. vaguest room, rumor of something. Who knows? Like, oh, there was some fucked up thing that happened at a party or whatever. But, yeah, I mean, you would usually just end up feeling bad. Really? If you would yeah. hear this stuff, you'd be like, oh, God, that sounds depressing. Yeah. <laughs> Especially if you looked at Hubs and Joe and you were like, these are the two dudes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're like, wait, this girl blew that guy? <laughs> really? I know, I'd be like, what's wrong with her? Joe goes into the bedroom and finds Lainey sleeping naked, and then this is the most absurd part. So he's standing there looking at her, and he has this flashback to the Blue Oyster Cult show with the laser, and they use like real concert footage of Blue Oyster Cult, which is kind of funny and random. You're like, what, <laughs> it what is happening? Like stock footage like thrown in. <laughs> well, in the credits, it was like, Blue Oyster Cult concert footage courtesy of Columbia Records or whatever. It was, like, legitimate shit. And that, like, launches into this 2001 parody that is completely insane. (laughs) It's so stupid. I didn't even really put notes on it because it's just... What are you going to say? Joe is, like, an old man at one point, and then he's, like, a baby drinking a bottle that has Ox 45 on the bottle. It's just... I mean... It's a big swing, and it does not land for me. Like... Yeah, the pe- the audience for the Stone Age was going to really be into like a 2001 parody in 1994. I just I'm not buying it. <laughs> and I mean, it, for a parody, it's really not funny. No, it's pointless. It doesn't serve any meaning other than I guess to further illustrate this weird existential crisis that Joe is going through, which almost feels unnecessary. You could just have him be like, "Man, this kind of driving around trying to get with chicks like not treating these girls like women you know what i mean yeah just smoking terrible weed and like trying to score beer or steal beer and stuff it's kind of lame what is this whole thing with a laser landing on him and like expanding it's like why even do that i know i don't know instead of going for it and waking i mean how sad would that be he's like wake up yeah i <laughs> shaking know shaking her awake and then being like it's hey, like if that actually played out, this movie gets way darker. Instead, he ultimately just covers Lanny up with a blanket and leaves, and then he goes downstairs and he finds Hubs already making out work. with Jill, yeah. like trying to get her pants off. And Joe is just bummed and doesn't really know what to do, and he just goes down there and he sits there kind of across from them on the couch, like making out, and he's like, Hubs, man, what the fuck? She's not like that. And Hubs is like, what do you mean, man? She was all over me. I love how this is like, she's just laying there yeah, underneath him. And, and they're, they're having, having this conversation, conversation about her. <laughs> so great. Yeah. <laughs> you can tell that she was pissed at what happened. Oh, Although yeah. it's like unclear how she really knew exactly what was going on. But I guess it became kind of obvious yeah. what was happening. And so she's but- pissed at Joe. Because earlier, when they were talking about Lainey, and why Lainey would go for it with Hubs, Joe is like, well, are you into like a dude like Hubs? Would you go for Hubs? And she was like, fuck no. Yeah, right. He's an idiot or whatever. <laughs> yeah. And then as soon as Joe goes upstairs to potentially get a blowjob from Lainey, Jill just starts making out with Hubs. 
Hubs. Yeah. And then he, But then when yeah, when Hubs is like, well, she was all over me, she like looks at Joe and like shrugs and was like, Yeah, she yeah. does an eyebrow thing. Yeah. And I, I do think that like her acting in this is actually pretty decent I and think like so. way better than like the dudes and stuff. She's able to like sell some facial expressions that kind of feel realistic and appropriate. Whereas like everybody else is kind of just one note the whole time. But it's particularly brutal because hubs like continues to be an asshole about her appearance as he's on top of her because he's like you won't tell anybody right yeah right <laughs> i don't want people to think we're laughing at this like this is great i mean it's just like it's, it's so more fucking the absurdity of it mean and yeah. horrible and you're like what the fuck okay there's definitely two things that if I was going to, like, redo this movie right now, the first two things you're cutting are the Virgin Killers album really? references yeah. and the meanness to Jill for, like, no reason. Just so, so over the, the top. top. I, yeah, I just, I don't even get it. And then, I mean, obviously also, like, the constant use of F-A-G, F-A-G-G-O-T <laughs> yeah. by Hubs. He says much. it a bunch of times. <laughs> okay, Crump's brother shows up and Uh-oh. tries to break into the house. What we've all been waiting for. And he gets pretty close to doing so. It's like breaking a hole through the door. But they're saved at the last minute. It's basically like The Shining. He yeah, it is up. like kind of yeah. a, an homage. He's <laughs> like reaching through and sticking his head through yep. at one point. They're saved at the last minute by Jill's dad, Warren, who... who just starts punching kids in the face. Yeah, he starts kicking everybody's ass, including <laughs> Crump's brother. Well, he's like kneeing them in the balls and punching them in the face. Which like is 17-year-old kids. It's very unrealistic that he would beat up Crump's brother who looks like a badass, but it is funny though. Yeah, it's right. just like it's so random this dude in a suit shows up who's like 65 and like beating everyone's ass. And how ass. late in the night is it at this point and he's just showing up? I think he was supposed to be at like a class reunion. That's why he's wearing that like ridiculous oh, right. sweater yeah. and stuff. And Warren, of course, is, like, not a good dude. Uh, we already know that he's got, like, a thing for Laney, and he bought her a bikini. I mean, if you're, like, Joe and Hubs, wouldn't you be afraid that he's going to show up at some point? Yeah, I mean, Jill like, did bring it up yeah. several times. But they I guess at this act- point, you're more afraid of Crump's brother. I don't well, that's know. true. I, yeah, that's true. I guess it's they kind of just act like there's no repercussions to anything they do. Yeah, well, especially Hubs. Joe is supposed yeah. to be, like, somewhat having a conscience and stuff. Hubs manages to escape once warren like comes inside he like runs up the stairs and like jumps out a window it's like so clearly a stuntman at one point (laughs) like you can see his face and it's like not hubs (laughs) he like lands on top of a car but joe of course can't make it out and he's like detained and so jill's dad has joe and jill in the living room and then laney comes downstairs like only wearing like a button-down shirt as wild a, a robe or whatever I and so can, this kind of starts to feel like fear all over again, <laughs> a little bit. But he doesn't really give a shit about Jill though. Well, it's Laney, who's yeah. like not his daughter. Which you know, there's a whole predatory thing going on there. Jill's dad, in addition to having a thing for Laney, is a giant dick to Jill. We found out that I think Jill says it to Joe earlier that like her dad was like so disappointed that she didn't make the cheerleading team in seventh grade or something, wow. and just way more into Laney. So he calls the cops, and they're all waiting around for the cops to show up. It seems like the only person that would be in serious trouble here would be Crump's brother. I mean, he fucking broke Violating in. parole. He was, like, kicking through the door and was, like, damaging property and stuff. It's not really like Joe did anything, but, of course, Warren's not hearing it, even though Jill and Laney are both kind of saying that. Joe stands up for Jill, and to a lesser extent, Laney, too, and they're, like, cheering him on as he's, like, 
giving Warren shit, being like, "That's right, yeah." Why Listen, are you such you an asshole, bro? <laughs> you know, we just want to have a good time. Hubs crashes through a window with like a lawn <laughs> thing. <laughs> I yeah. don't even know what that is. And saves Joe. They escape through the broken window right as the police are showing up. But not before Jill grabs Joe and stops him whenever they're like kind of retreating around the other side of the house. And she's like totally into him now. And she's like, yeah, look me up in the phone book and call me. My last name is Wajakawakowitz. (laughs) (laughs) Which is like, of course, a stupid joke, but it's pretty funny. Joe finally gets to kiss Jill. So he got like a little something. All right. All the other dudes out front who were all beat up by Warren, they all get arrested. Okay, so a happy ending. Officer Dean back in the mix. And then Frankie Avalon makes a cameo, which is really embarrassing. He's like, hey, do you guys know where the Frankie Avalon house is? And they're like, oh, yeah, it's right down there. He's like, I heard there's a shitload of fun chicks. (laughs) (laughs) So stupid. And you're like cringing at how bad that is. And then like the last part of the movie is like, that uh, and I definitely related to this, like the ultra late night ride home. The, oh yeah, the end of the night, like it's finally over. You're basking in whatever bullshit happened. Yeah, right. And, and if it was a good night, you're kind of feeling it. And then jo- I always remember this. You know, if there was a fast food place still open. Oh yeah. One more run through the drive through. Get the fucking yeah. junior bacon cheese. Oh yeah. <laughs> and Hubs still talking shit about Jill and just like, why the fuck do you want to call her? I, I mean, he says something like, uh, I mean, yeah, he says some pretty fucked up shit. I was actually thinking he called her an oinker, but I think that was Tack earlier in the movie, which is insane. Either way, it's completely uncalled for, whatever it is. Joe stands up to Hubs, punches him in the face, puts him in a headlock, kind of like Hubs did to him earlier about Don't Fear the Reaper. And as like a result of him standing up for him and, and Hubs conceding and, and saying that She's Jill cool. was cool, a cool yeah. chick. The celebration of that, the reward for that, is Joe putting on Don't Fear the Reaper. And the eyeball that has followed Joe around appears in the rearview mirror for a minute and then disappears. And then the last words that come up onto the screen are, no chicks were harmed in the making of this motion picture. I'm not sure I believe that, though. Yeah, I I actually was like, that doesn't seem true at all. (laughs) I mean, how can you say that stuff? It's always fucking brutal, so many times, and it uh, and it sucks, like it, because it always happens to women. It seems like. I mean, actually, that's probably not true. There are a lot of times where dudes are completely like made fun of, and it's like kind of terrible and stuff. But usually, the story involves them getting redemption in some way when it's like a dude, and that's like what it's about. But like yeah. the collateral damage beatdowns always seem to happen to like chicks, where it's like not really what it's about, and there is no like redemption, and they don't get to stand up for themselves. And it's just like I know, like you know what you're signing up for. You read the script, you know what you're doing, and you're you're going in with both eyes open. And I'm sure like the actors delivering the lines were like very apologetic yeah, before like, and after. This? How is this funny? Right before they say action, and then right after they say cut, they're, like, begging forgiveness. They're like, come on. It still is so fucking mean and terrible. Yeah, yeah, it's just, like, shocking, to, like, really. take this abuse of how ugly and fat and terrible you are. It's, like, so fucked up. It is. <laughs> but I still love this movie, though. It is Despite an all of movie. the flaws. Yeah. <laughs> There's nothing better than, like, an, a one wild night type movie. That's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> 
I mean, this kind of paved the way for like a super bad down the road, you know. Speaking of one wild night, when we started recording this, it was light out, and now it's dark. I know. I gotta and there's go home. no light yeah, on in here. Really, we gotta wrap this up. It's getting weird. <laughs> We're just talking in the dark about the Stone Age. Yeah, there is like a brief post-credit sort of scene with thing in our lives. <laughs> yeah, I was remembering how. There were a couple of times where I was like tweeting back and forth with Lisa Gerber, who plays oh, wow. Kara yeah. in the Wonder Years episodes that we did on this show. And remember how like we spent so much time, like, what should I tweet back? And we would like talk about it for like 45 minutes as if it actually made any wow. difference. Yeah. Just really lame. Really sad lives. I don't know. That, out of like the last decade or so, that's definitely been one of the peaks. Yeah. <laughs> Is that Twitter exchange? <laughs> Anyway, there's a post credit scene with like actual members of Blue Oyster Cult, and we were joking about it because I was like, it's not like anyone would actually know what those dudes look like, Seriously? so the joke is kind of lost. Yeah. What are you doing? What? <clears throat> what? Vincent stopped making picks. Well, how am I going to know what movies to see? We have a wide variety of Gene picks. Gene's trash. I'm Gene. You said you had a recommendation. You want to do it real quick? Yeah, I do. So I had never seen this movie. Okay. Yeah. Spike Lee joint. She's got to have it. I think it's his first movie. Yeah, it is. I've and never seen it either. I think I know what people are thinking. Oh, he's only recommending this because of Black Lives Matter. And you're <laughs> right. I, I, I The reason I saw this was when I turned on my Netflix account, it was like a million recommendations for like, I guess what they were determining as like related to Black Lives Matter. And I'd seen most of the movies, but that popped up and i was like oh I'll, I'll give this a shot and I, I i liked it i mean it's a classic story of a woman dating three dudes and like just <laughs> your favorite type of thing ruining their lives and uh yeah i, I guess it, they did a like an updated netflix series of yeah it. but yeah, i, I, think I had, it ran for like two seasons yeah I, I haven't watched that at all but i did really enjoy it so that's on netflix you it is yeah I will also recommend something on Netflix. Last episode, we both did Prime. This time, we'll both do Netflix. Just the fourth season of the Netflix original cartoon, F is for Family, Bill Burr's show that takes place in the 70s. And even though it's a cartoon, feels much more like what you would imagine the 70s to be like than oh, yeah. this movie, right. The Stone Age. <laughs> I really didn't have anything else. I actually forgot that I had watched this, but then I remembered it. I like all the seasons. I think it's pretty funny. I don't, I don't know that I really laugh out loud very much, but I do enjoy it. A lot of cool people do voices on it, like Laura Dern is his wife on the show. Oh, yeah. And, uh, Sam Rockwell, a couple other people. Bill plays like a character, I guess, that's supposed to be somewhat modeled after his dad. He's like the dad of the family. Kind of politically incorrect, but in a in a pretty fun way, I guess. It's not like super offensive or anything. It's just kind of funny. And uh, you can check all four seasons of that out on Netflix. You can wow. bang them out probably pretty, cool. pretty quick. That, that, that has made it into four seasons. I remember when he was like going into production for this. Yeah, and it seems like it's taking longer on like Big Mouth, which seems like the turnaround on that is like very fast, which is like yeah. Netflix's other thing. I don't think F is for Family is like nearly as popular as Big Mouth, but it's made it through four seasons i think it ends on another little bit of a cliffhanger so i think you know they're hoping to do more i don't know if they will or not but i don't know it probably would be easier to keep doing animated stuff as long as there's a pandemic going on so who knows as for us the greatest moments in the history of forever 
as long as we are still able to record, yeah, the next episode you hear will be the first of One Trashy Summer. That's wow. right. It's back. The hit from last year is returning. Uh, last year we did it in June. This year we pushed it back to July for COVID-19 reasons. I think we're only going to do four installments of One Trashy Summer. Keep it easy. Yeah. We can't of go overboard. Of all the things <laughs> affected by COVID. Yeah. This is, you know. One Everything related to this impacts. podcast is the biggest deal. Really. <laughs> but yeah, it is, I mean, it's top priority of the summer. Yeah, so get ready for that in case you were wondering, like, could it get more trashy than the Stone Age? This is like a nice little transitional movie into Oh, it is. That, That's right. In a way. I mean, this is probably more trashy than some of the ones we're picking. I, I would say so, yeah. But in a different way. Anyway, folks, thanks for listening. Follow the show on Twitter at GreatestPod and subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Podbean. And we will talk to you for one trashy
It doesn't work for me. I gotta have more cowbell. Don't blow this for us, Gene! Could be, could be so selfish, Gene. Can I just say one thing? Yeah, baby, just say it. I'm staring here, staring at rock legend Bruce Dickinson. The cock in a walk, baby. And if Bruce Dickinson wants more cowbell, we should probably give him more cowbell. Say, baby. And Bobby, you are right. I am being selfish. But the last time I checked, we don't have a whole lot of songs that feature the cowbell. I gotta have more cowbell, baby. And I'd be doing myself a disservice and every member of this band if I didn't perform the hell out of this. Guess what? I got a fever. And the only prescription is more cowbell. Thank you, Bruce. But I think if... I think if I, if I just leave and uh, maybe I'll come back later, we can lay down the cowbell. Come on, baby. Gene, wait. Why don't you lay down that cowbell right now with us together? Do you mean that, Eric? Oh, yeah. Speaks for all of us. Thank you. Babies, before we're done here, y'all be wearing gold-plated diapers. What does that mean? Never question Bruce Dickinson. Roll it. One, two, three, four.